0: We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, April 10th, 2023. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Saretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film staff writer and box office expert, Ryan Scott.
3: Hey, everyone. How's it going?
2: I think I just changed your title from uh, box office uh, analyst to box office expert.
3: Yeah, by you a- did, but accident. that's all right. I'll, yeah. I'll, you know what? I'll take the expert for today, Peter. I will. Thank you.
2: <laughs> okay. Um, it's been a crazy weekend. We're going to talk about some of the Star Wars news that we didn't get to talk about on Friday a little bit later. But it it is Monday, and it's a, a big Monday at the box office because uh, Super Mario Brothers came out this weekend and uh, kind of destroyed. Ryan, tell us about it.
3: Yeah. Um. So I think I believe you and I had talked about this a little bit in terms of like. Uh, last week we talked about you know what it might be able to do and if i'm not mistaken i believe we were talking about the early critical buzz and i was like look this is going to be a movie that's got like a 60 percent critic score but like an a audience score and it's a little below that it's like 56 percent critic score on rotten tomatoes but sure enough it's a a cinema score 96 percent audience rating on rotten tomatoes absolute crowd pleaser and uh Boy, howdy, did crowds show up. Uh, So let's go over. The numbers are a bit, you know, it's a lot. So the three-day weekend number is $146.3 million. That is the second biggest animated three-day opening ever just behind uh, Incredibles 2. However, because it opened on Wednesday, we got to look at that five-day stretch. Now, it is the biggest five-day opening ever for any movie of any kind. Uh, It it defeated uh, Transformers Revenge of the Fallen um uh it had a 377 million dollar global debut which is by far the biggest global debut for an animated movie ever however uh, uh frozen 2 still had a bigger international opening um whereas uh, super mario brothers uh opened to 173 million internationally um but but uh frozen 2's total global number over its opening didn't beat mario if that makes sense Uh, and now what's interesting is, uh, look there, it made it, it, it is by far the biggest opening for a video game movie. There's a lot of records. This thing broke. The biggest thing to me is that in that five days, that $377 million, it is now the second highest grossing movie of 2023 overall behind Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania in a matter of less than a week. Uh, and within a week, it will be the highest grossing movie of the year, uh, Genuinely incredible stuff.
2: I think when we talked about it uh, a week or two ago, we were both like speculating, will this be the biggest movie of the year? Now that yeah, you've seen these was... numbers, do you think it's it's going to be Guardians? I feel like it's between Guardians and this, right? Uh,
3: it, it may be depending on how Fast X plays internationally, but because yeah. um, the Fast movies have done huge business in china in the past in some cases and that's where like a lot of american movies are not playing particularly well so let's say that like fast x's china number is like hugely inflated that could be the thing that could put it but yeah those are really the only three but but i mean it's boy uh this is gonna be tough to top especially because it's it's poised for a huge second weekend you know because renfield and the pope's exorcist are not gonna give it much direct challenge so you know i mean if you're looking let's say it drops even just 50% you're still looking at a what 70 almost 75 million dollar second weekend um you know so this thing's going to be well over 500 million come next weekend it's got a clear path to a billion so um you know that's uh i mean and and in the marketplace as it currently exists without a spider-man no way home on the board um you know your your 1.5 billion dollar hit just isn't there this year probably so um yeah i mean we're we're i think we're looking at probably the highest grossing movie of the year probably but um it's, i
2: was gonna say it's interesting too because this movie was not well reviewed it's rotten on rotten tomatoes um from the critic score but if you look at the audience score I I think last time I looked, it was like near 95% or something. It's 96%. And,
3: and again, an A cinema score and that, and weirdly the cinema score is usually the better indicator of, you know, how the audience sort of, how general audiences actually feel and what that might mean for legs and stuff. But yeah, I mean, look, it, it's. It's Mario. It was a movie made for kids, largely. And nostalgic parents were still going to take their kids to see it. I saw it over the weekend in an absolutely jam-packed theater in the afternoon. (laughs) Kids were jumping out of their seats, stoked. The kid next to me was dressed up as Mario. Like, he was having the time of his life. So, I'm not saying there wasn't another way that they could have went about this. This was an Illumination movie. These are the people that did the Minions. This is kind of what I expected. I thought it was perfectly fine. And I think that, you know for all the talk about people not liking Chris Pratt as Mario for all the talk about people, not really liking Chris Pratt in general, uh, like in the Twitter verse for people giving this movie crap on Twitter, just once again, demonstrates that is a bubble that means almost nothing. Um, <laughs> sometimes that conversation can push a smaller movie up. It can raise the tide for something like that. But, but in terms of lowering the tide for something like this, it means nothing. Um, you know, so yeah, it's a huge weekend.
2: Yeah. Um, you, you know, this might become one of the biggest, uh, video game movies of all time. I know you shared a, this, uh, quote from Chris Melodandre on Twitter. It was in an interview with Bloomberg,
3: I think. Yeah it, Bloomberg. yeah, it was Bloomberg. Yeah. Yeah. Because illumination has just been crushing. Uh, they are eating Disney's lunch. Um, but yeah, so I, I read this whole interview is very good over the weekend and, um, Basically, they asked him, you know, Hollywood had screwed up video game adaptations for many, many years. Very famously, the original Super Mario Brothers movie was the first big video game movie, and it's failed spectacularly. If you want to read more about that, you can read my latest edition of Tales from the Box Office. Uh, But the head of Illumination here had this to say about it. So there was an industry idea that video games weren't adaptable IP. Every time I hear one of those statements, I shudder a bit. I'm not familiar enough with how past films work. I can say with great confidence that we would not have been able to do this without the partnership with, uh, with Nintendo. One might take from that, that the way to make a successful adaptation is to work closely with the creator. I do believe that. Um, I think (laughs) if we, uh, my sort of take on that was that if we look at, you know, the last of us on HBO, um, Neil Druckmann was heavily involved in that. And that is one of HBO's most successful shows. I think ever really at this point, Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't think that that's a bad read on the situation. Um, uh, you know, that's one man's opinion, but but I do think that's a reasonable take.
2: I, I mean, the, the take is decidedly smart for someone like Chris Melodandre, who I've talked to many filmmakers and they're like, he doesn't care about story. All he cares about, a, you know, fart jokes and gimmicks and visual gags and whatever. And like, it seems very, like, very uh, intuitive. A very, um, like... I mean, it is true that Hollywood like has looked at video games and like, you know, video game success over the the last ten years has been insane. And the fact that like Hollywood's like, oh, this wouldn't work in a movie. We need to, you know, adapt this for our medium and whatever. And it's like people like that thing it, it's it's also interesting that i feel like if you look at the critical response to mario or even my response when i saw it like you know i love that first half an hour and uh, but as time went on i was like there's really no story here you know it, it's like the mario games It's uh, it it really he really did uh, adapt the Mario games because it's it's literally you know we just gotta go and fight Bowser and you know save Peach rescue Luigi and there's not much else there but you know what that's
3: faithful to what it is yeah like I'm not saying it's absolutely it's a valid sort of way to interpret that material particularly as you uh, uh, the big thing in that interview is I did not realize Nintendo was involved very heavily the whole way. Like they yeah. were a big creative partner on this, so this was this was also a big Nintendo decision. Let's not put this all on Illumination. You know, this is how <laughs> they wanted to go about
2: it. Yeah, no, I I don't know. I I overall like the movie, but I feel like the last like half an hour kind of like I got a little bored. Um, look but... again,
3: it's not my favorite movie in the world. I had a fine enough time with it. I think it's more important to look at like who was this movie made for, and it's made for younger fans, and that's okay. Uh, Yeah, we're going to get, you know, the last of us was not made for those kids. The last of us was made, you know, and and so that's okay. We're going to get other video game movies that are made for adults. And I think the thing is video game adaptations are going to become what comic book movies were in the last decade. You know, this is now, because the thing is video game movies, like there's a lot more video game IP out there. So studios can look at that and it doesn't have to be Marvel's at Disney, DC's at Warner Brothers and that's it. Video games are a little bit more of an equalized playing field in that way. So I think we're going to see a bigger video game boom here, um, you know, in in the coming years. And that's going to be the next big gold rush, I think.
2: Um, Yeah. You know, uh, when I I talk to you about box office, that's what I always like to think about. It was like, you know, not, you know, oh, great, this movie made this money. Like, but what does that mean for the future? And I think you are dead on that we are going to be in – this is the beginning of the video game movie era – Um, It's going to be interesting to see how that shapes up because, you know, if I was Universal in Illumination, I would want to sign all of Nintendo's properties and and build to, you know, an avenger style crossover where all the Nintendo's properties come together. Is that going to be the way it it, it shakes out? I don't know.
3: Um, Right. I mean, look, I didn't want to speculate about that too heavily, but I think it's pretty clear that. Nintendo's got a lot of properties and you've got a lot of area to play in there. And if those conversations aren't happening already, they're going to (laughs) happen very soon. Um, and look, based on the numbers, Nintendo would be silly not to do it. Like what, you know, because sure. The one thing they might look at is like the critic response, not being great, but between the numbers and audiences loving it and it helping the brand, like why would Nintendo say no to that? and you know why would universal say no to that? and universal will probably give nintendo incredibly favorable terms to get to do more of these so oh, yeah. yeah that's probably where we're headed and just just for the record oddly enough uh, warcraft is still the highest grossing video game movie of wow. all time at 438 million it's because it did so well overseas it only made 47 domestic but um the super mario brothers movie is already at 377 so it will become the highest grossing video game movie of all time within the week um so yeah, there's that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's we're,
2: that. We're, we're gonna get more Super Mario Brothers movies. Is it gonna be Super Mario Brothers movie two? Is it gonna be Super Mario Brothers sequel? I don't know. But it'll be uh, Super
3: Mario's two and then some spin-offs or something. The only other thing uh, before we move on from box office, it's very important to point out that Air also came out this weekend, the Ben Affleck movie. Oh, and yeah. uh it it oddly held its own pretty okay. It it came in at number four with fourteen point four six million, but it almost Slipped into number three above Dungeons & Dragons, which which fell pretty hard this weekend. Um, but for an R-rated adult-focused movie that you know was kind of pivoted to a full-blown theatrical release late in the game, that's pretty good uh, considering the heavy competition. And over the full five-day stretch, it also opened on Wednesday. It pulled in $20.2 million. Audience scores stellar on that. Critic reviews are stellar on that uh this is an amazon production so prime video is not necessarily relying on box office purely here so it doesn't necessarily need to profit in theaters but if it does well enough in theaters it is gonna it is gonna encourage them to do this more um and so the budget was like 90 million but a lot of that was like those deals for the actors were made based on like streaming not box office so that was a lot of upfront money so I think that, like, the, the budget looks a little inflated, but the math for Amazon is going to be different. But I would say, based on what we're getting, Air did very well, and I'm encouraged by what we're seeing.
2: Very cool. Okay, we have a lot of Star Wars news to talk about from Star Wars Celebration, but we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back Okay, Ryan. I didn't get to talk to you last week on Friday. I was talking to Brian and Brad about all the Star Wars news that was announced at the Lucasfilm panel. Uh, we have more to talk about, but I just wanted to give you, uh, you know, a minute or two to to tell us your thoughts on like the three new movies that were announced.
3: I, I have I have not felt this optimistic about Star Wars in a long time. Um, the biggest, the thing that I said is Dave Filoni's movie is the most exciting thing that has happened to star Wars since the force awakens in my very humble opinion. Um, I, I am into all three movies that were announced on varying levels. I think the Ahsoka trailer is stellar. I think most of what they announced, I'm very on board with, and I feel good about a lot of it. I feel good about the direction and I'm very hopeful.
2: Yes. Um, and it, I mean, it should also mention that uh, with with the Dave Filoni movie, which seems more and more is going to be heir to the Empire. This is something before you were even at SlashFilm You were at a, a different movie site, and you wrote a, an article predicting that this thing was going to happen, or maybe wishing it into and, the world.
3: No, you and I even talked about this at one point, like one of, after one of our first podcasts, because I had told you I was like, I think I know where this is all going, and you were like. And you and and I told you that and I and I and but yeah, I'm not to toot my own horn, but I've been saying this for two and a half years um, that like and in that Ahsoka trailer, when she says heir to the Empire, I lost my damn mind, not just because I was right, but because I'm so excited about that prospect, like what that we can talk about that in a minute. But like, but I'm I'm so thrilled at where this is going. And uh, I think we have the opportunity at like an all time banger for a Star Wars thing for sure.
2: Okay, let's get into it. Let's talk about some stuff that uh, we didn't get to talk about on Friday because it wasn't announced. That you know, the celebration goes all weekend. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy has been out doing some interviews with some of the outlets that are over in London, and one of them was with Entertainment Weekly, and she announced the crawls are coming back. Uh, it, basically, talking about the opening crawls of Star Wars movies that you know happened in all the George Lucas Star Wars films before Disney acquired lucas film and then with uh i believe rogue one a star wars story was the first one not to have a crawl solo uh also didn't have a crawl then the idea was that the saga movies would have a crawl the star wars stories would not have a crawl and then the tv stuff would not have a crawl well she's announcing the crawls are coming back and uh ew actually pushed further and was like are you talking about only for the ray film that's coming out uh, the the one that takes place in uh, you know fifteen years after the rise of Skywalker and Kennedy was direct and said no the crawl is for movies so the crawl is back how good. do you feel about that Ryan good
3: good um, I think <laughs> that uh, that was maybe one of the most I, I think Rogue One is a phenomenal movie I think that was missing sorely from Rogue One I think particularly because like if you had just had three paragraphs of text to set that movie up a little better. It would, And there's even people that have done one for Rogue One, like you can go online and you can sort of see like people have assembled like their own crawls for Rogue One and it helped a lot. I think Solo tried to like they put a little text in advance of Solo and it felt a little weird. I think that crawl is such a good way to just welcome you to a Star Wars movie especially if we're going to be jumping all over the map for timelines and stuff. If you're just using like three paragraphs of text to set the stage for what's going on in that movie, I think that's crucial. And I think it makes it feel like star Wars. And I think that's a good thing to do. And I'm very happy to hear this.
2: I'm actually honestly surprised that they aren't going to use the crawls for TV stuff. I feel like it would work in all the, like, you know, we had that um, thing happen with this season of Mandalorian where there was story that happened in Book of Boba Fett that uh, they didn't recap in the previously on because it would be too confusing. Do you have to like say like you know, previously on the Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett or whatever? Like if if you had an opening crawl, could have been ex- could have explained everything, and you just would have to do it at the beginning of the season. You don't even have to do it, you know, for every episode. I don't know.
3: Yeah, yeah, because because like the Clone Wars episodes had sort of like not quite a crawl, but they had like the intro, and then you had the voiceover like meanwhile. You know, you had that sort of thing, like, you know, on Clone Wars and that sort of works. But like, yeah, I don't know. I at least think for the movies, it it is. I, I'm not I, I don't disagree with you. Yeah, particularly because of what the hell happened with Mando season three. But but um, yeah, I, I at least think for the movies, it, it's a good thing. Um. I think I think it might feel weird for TV. I'm not sure how I would feel about that. But uh, but but yeah, I think I think overall, though, this is a good this is like a good reversal. <laughs> Like, this is a good like, OK, look, this didn't work. Let's go ahead and pivot back to, to the, you know, like because the, the, that, that really is Star Wars, right? Like Star Wars being movies and that and that like music hitting you when you're in the theater, you know, the a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. That's just like welcoming you to Star Wars. And I think that any movie should be able to utilize that and make you feel that you're in a Star Wars movie. I think that's important.
2: And speaking of pivoting, like they were so concerned about people knowing that these movies were Star Wars movies, but they didn't want to put the the crawl on them. Uh, you know, they, they added that subtitle, A Star Wars Story. Do you think that when we get the, uh, you know, the first Jedi or whatever it is that Mangold's working on, or we get the Filoni movie, or we even get this uh, this movie with Rey training the, the new Jedi Order, do you think any of those are going to have a Star Wars story after them in the title? I don't.
3: Nope, I think it's just going to be from here on out. It's going to be Star Wars: Air to the Empire, Star Wars: Dawn of the Jedi, Star Wars: The New Jedi Order, whatever they're calling yeah. them. And again, I will, I will, I will bet you money on this podcast. My every dollar in my wallet that Dave Filoni's movie will just be titled Star Wars: Heir to the Empire. I will bet all that money. But, uh, but yeah, but again, I think that it's just going to be, here's the title of the film. Here's the crawl explaining where we're at and what's going on. Enjoy your movie. I think that's what it is. I think that's what we're doing from here on out.
2: I think you're right. Okay. Um, the, Another thing that Kennedy was asked about in interviews, and this was from IGN. She was asked, um, you know, Star Wars has announced all these projects, all these projects have been reported. Are they dead or are they shelved? Or are they going to happen And um, this is what she told IGN. She said, Rogue Squadron, that definitely is something that we still talk about, whether it's a movie or whether it ends up being a series in in the series space. That's definitely something that's going to happen. So, uh, yeah. Okay, let me get into the other ones. Lando, uh, I can tell you it's happening and Donald Glover is very excited about it. And then the third one that she was asked about was Kevin Feige's Star Wars movie, which never actually was announced publicly by Lucasfilm or Disney. It was something that was reported in the trades. Uh, This is what she says. Kevin Feige's project was something announced in the press or, I guess, fandom, but there was nothing ever got developed. We never discussed the idea because, as everybody knows, Kevin is a huge Star Wars fan. And if you know he did come up with something, I would... I would be all ears, but that's never really happened. So it's not an abandoned project. It just didn't happen. So there's, there's a couple things to dissect here before we get into Kevin Feige of the all, because I think that's probably the most interesting to me is uh, what do you think about all these lingering star Wars projects that, you know, we didn't hear about Taika's movie. We didn't hear about rogue squadron Lando. She's saying they're all in the works, but I think that's, I I don't know. Reading between the lines, it sounds to me like nothing in Star Wars is ever dead. Do you know what I mean? Like even yeah, the stuff that's
3: more or less what it is, right? Like there, and I agree with you. Like I think the, the she's Kathleen Kennedy's not going to come out and say, "Oh yeah, those things died because they didn't work." You know what I mean, or whatever you would have to say about it. Like, um,
2: but even even the stuff that George Lucas was working on in that video game that was shelved, the TV series, a bunch of that stuff ended up making it into movies. And do you know what I mean? Like, so it's eventually. I, I'm sure we will get a frog squadron something. Do you know what I mean? like A hundred
3: percent. And they're not going to come out and say, hey, that thing we were developing with Patty Jenkins isn't working out. You know, yeah. we're not going to close the door on, hey, you remember how we made a big announcement that a Lando series is definitely happening? We're not going to backtrack and and say that's not happening because that makes it sound a little bad. <laughs> you know, like that's just not what they're going to do. Um, and yeah, some of this stuff probably comes out in the trades a little prematurely. Some of the stuff takes a long time to develop. The one thing I will say with the Kevin Foggy thing is, we know that Michael Waldron was working on a script, so it it, what, it was absolutely being developed. Like, like it was like so. I I don't know. I think that was Kennedy Dude, trying to sort of like so take control to the narrative me, a little Ryan, bit, because and, we and, know a screenwriter was hired and, and look, that's okay. That's write her a job. Yeah, but like, but but that's her job. I I don't know, but yeah. So it's the the, the Feige one's a bit mincing words, I think.
2: So what do you think is happening there? Like, do you think do you think that he never actually pitched the idea to her? I mean, that, that's what she kind of alludes to, that Maybe he never actually. Maybe not to her,
3: but it had to have been pitched to somebody for Michael Waldron to get hired to do it.
2: <sighs> I really want to know what this Kevin Feige project was and uh, will we ever well, get it? That's I what, don't know. Look,
3: you might know more about the actual business. Someone at Disney had to say, yes, go ahead and write this to Michael Waldron, right? Like, the, he can't just start doing that and talk about it in the press.
2: He's no talked about he, it
3: a bit. He's not – like, you, I mean, someone it, has to give you the green light to do that.
2: Yeah, he's getting paid money. Like, someone has to approve that. <laughs> so right, he's not know.
3: doing it on spec. <laughs>
2: so, I like, I,
3: that's all I'm saying. is like, I don't know I, – I, I think what Kennedy's trying to do – and I'm not trying to – I just think she's trying to downplay at what level that was being seriously considered. And I did see, I I don't have it in front of me, but she she did address the Taika Waititi movie, I think, and said, like, he's writing that himself. He really wants to do it, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I think that, like, I think that, like, that's just more like, I I don't know. That one always seemed like a weird one to me, like, where I don't, he seems like a really busy dude. I don't know where he had the time for that. And that's, like, my thing with James Mangold, too, because he's got Swamp Thing. I would imagine of the three movies, James Mangold's going to go last, because he's got probably going to do Swamp Thing first. But that's another question entirely but but uh but yeah i think this was just kathleen kennedy sort of trying to be like you know not not make it sound like there's a bunch of canceled projects sitting at lucasfilm you know on her watch
2: yeah i've heard the Mangold thing it hasn't been written yet it's just an idea so i i'm i'm under agreement with you that that's probably going to be the last of these three um taika Watiki, i've also heard from uh, that his movie is is very him do you know what I mean very his sensibilities, very non-standard Star Wars, very like contemporary humor, that kind of stuff. I don't think them making a Star Wars – going back to theatrical Star Wars movies after taking this break, it made no sense to have that be the first one.
3: Right? No, and I think – but that's also where – you guys probably talked about this on Friday, but I'm actually oscillating between whether or not like it'll be Filoni's movie first or the Ray movie first and that 2025 date. Like, I, I don't know that that's where I'm like, I, that's where I'm lost. Like, I don't know which one's going to go first, but.
2: That's interesting because first of all, with, with, with the Ray movie, which by the way, we keep on calling the Ray movie, but I'm willing to bet money that Ray is not the main character of that movie that she's a support. I would like, bet
3: so as well. Like that would yeah. be like, she'll be at the center of it, but like maybe more like the Obi-Wan Kenobi of that movie.
2: Um, yeah. That's what I'm betting. Um, so, you know, adjust your expectations. The way it was announced at the, the panel, I, I watched the video of it. It was like, you know, we're, we're looking to do this movie on the new Jedi Order. And, of course, to have a new Jedi Order, you need to have a master Jedi training them. And that person is Daisy Ridley. So that didn't say that she was going to be the star of the movie. That means that she's going to be in the movie. But uh, adjust your expectations. Um, so I don't think it's going to be the, uh, you know, uh, episode 10. Of the Skywalker saga, if, if we should say it that way. Um, but, you know, we do know that they have a script for that. Damon Lindelof turned in the script, um, and, you know, it's now being rewritten by someone else. And I I don't know uh, which one's going to go first. Is it going to be that one or is it going to be
1: yeah.
2: uh, the Filoni thing? The, is you know, it Filoni's weird been- to
3: you? Sorry, I, I, is it weird to you that Lindelof wrote that movie and not the Dawn of the Jedi movie? The Dawn of the Jedi <laughs> seems way more Lindelof to me.
2: It does. It makes me wonder what they're changing, how it's going to be different than what he was writing. Like, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, what, what, uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll, maybe we won't learn. Cause I, you know, I said that with the original, uh, the sequel trilogy. Uh, you know, like every, every movie that got released, it's like, I can't wait until we learn, like, you know, what happened behind the scenes. We haven't learned anything. There's We're been never no behind learn. the scenes. <laughs> I don't know. I, um, I guess maybe I was just expecting, like, what happened with George's trilogy. We we got those, you know, Rinsler yeah, books and stuff like that. Yeah. But Lindelof, uh, or not Lindelof, uh, Filoni has been busy doing Ahsoka. He's still busy doing Ahsoka. So I don't imagine that he's written a script for that era to the Empire or whatever it is. Um, uh, so
3: I- again, we can just start calling it era to the Empire. That's what it's going to be. Let's not worry about it. <laughs>
2: Oh, we should also mention that, um, you know, they showed in the Ahsoka trailer. We got to see the first look at Grand Admiral Thrawn. We saw him from behind. There was people online, you know, trying to line up the ears to, uh, you know, potential actors and who it was. They had an Ahsoka panel later in the weekend and they actually showed him and confirmed that it's Lars Mikkelsen who is coming back from a, uh, he was in star Wars rebels. Uh, yeah. He voiced Thrawn
3: in rebels for two seasons. And uh, I don't mean to the, but can I just say, fuck yes. Like not <laughs> to drop the F bomb, but this is the most excited I've been about anything. Star Wars in so long. God damn it. I'm excited about this.
2: W- why are you so excited?
3: Do you? Oh, have we not talked about my my like sheer love for Grand Admiral Thrawn? Has <laughs> that not come up on this show?
2: I don't think so, actually.
3: Oh my god, I am so I I love Thrawn so much. I love the central story of heir to the Empire. I admit there's like weird stuff in those books now, but like the core story there and the character of Thrawn is like he is one of my top three favorite Star Wars characters of all time, and I am so. Like, as a villain, oh, my God. And Lars Mickelson nailed that voice in the show, and he has the look for it. I, 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 as I joked with my, my girlfriend and my friends over the weekend, I've never been so excited to see the back of someone's head in my entire life. Um, <laughs> I, am, I am so happy this is happening. Like, this is just so exciting to me. Not to mention that we're pretty much getting, like, a live-action Rebels sequel. Like, seeing Hera, seeing Sabine. Oh, I just, I'm just so excited about this.
2: Yeah. Th- Thrawn is just such a great character because he's so smartly ridden. He's so clever. He's, you know, always like playing chess, like five moves ahead. And even though you hate him, you can't I- help but admire how. Speak for you know, yourself. I don't
3: hate him. I'm rooting for that guy. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> like I never like he's the guy that makes me rude against the people I love. Like he like I, I'm like, yeah, do it, man. Take over the galaxy. <laughs>
2: oh god uh, you want the empire to re-rise from the ashes uh well you know ryan took place between uh the original trilogy and sequel trilogy i don't think it's going to happen okay i, I mean i, I guess put- may- maybe it is may- maybe he's part of the rise of the first order
3: i think it's pretty clear because especially because in the heir to the empire books like cloning is a big part of those books and obviously like cloning is what eventually got palpatine back and so i actually think like Filoni's probably going to end up doing some backfilling here and making some of that stuff a little less weird. Um, And like, that's been sort of part of Mando season three too. Um, So yeah, it's Filoni's been doing a lot of groundwork to, to get this all here. And oh man, uh, just, just cannot wait. Uh, Absolutely. So excited (laughs) about it. Also for people that are less familiar with Thrawn, um, Timothy Zahn wrote some more, more recent in Canon books um uh since he came back and um i would say uh for anyone sort of looking to get into thron and be like i want to learn more about thron um there's just the thron book which was kind of his origin story but read that just so you can get to the point of reading thron alliances which is the one where he sort of teams up with darth vader that is an excellent book so if you're looking for more thron uh do the 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 just Thrawn book but then do Thrawn alliances.
2: Okay, let's talk about one more thing. Uh, on Friday's podcast, when when I was talking with Brian and Brad about Felloni's movie, the one th- concern that I brought up was, you know, are we going to are we going to be entering a level of like almost superhero fatigue where you know, I, I I talk to people, normal people, not uh, <laughs> people that write about movies for a living. I talk to normal people about, um, uh, you know, them wanting to go see the latest Ant-Man or whatever. And they're like, oh, I haven't watched this show. I haven't watched this movie. I, I feel like I wouldn't, you know, there's a level of them not thinking that they would understand what's going on going into it because it, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has become so complicated. And, and this this film coming up from Filoni is incorporating not just, you know, what's going on in the Mandalorian-verse and Book of Boba Fett, which some people haven't even seen, uh, but, you know, Rebels and Clone Wars and all sorts of, you know, other stuff. So that was one of the points I brought up. Well, um, Kathleen Kennedy – kind of, uh, she she gave an interview kind of addressing that concern. Uh, really not talking about that movie, but she said, uh, we're seeing the opportunity for fans to find where their entry point is. In Star Wars, there's a lot of things now going back almost 50 years. So you don't want people to feel like they have to see everything in order to step into Star Wars. And we also want to look the generational aspect of Star Wars. It's always been something that's been passed down. So something like Skeleton Crew, we're really excited about because, you know, that's aimed at younger kids, but will still bring in the fans, still bring in adults. And that's an opportunity for a kid that can step into Star Wars and make it their own. And I think that's the beauty of storytelling that's going on now, that everybody can kind of find where their entry point is, unquote. So, what are your thoughts on all this? Uh, do, do you think do you think we are entering a point where like people feel like they can't get an entry point with like this Felony movie coming up, or do, do you think it's like it, it doesn't matter? Like that's the Avengers and it's going to be big no matter what. And there's other stuff like the skeleton. Star Wars doesn't cool.
3: function the same way. I think that like us Rebels fans are going to be stoked about this, but I think that like the brilliance of kind of that Felony movie is that like Mandalorian is permeated you're gonna have mando in that movie like you're gonna have grogu in that movie those are characters people will recognize i think the fact that like Hera, sabine ahsoka any of these characters like you're not necessarily going to need to have their huge hit you're not going to need every ounce of their history to to understand that movie you're going to see that trailer and you're going to see some characters you recognize and you're probably going to see one hell of a trailer for like a very star warsy looking movie and I think that's all you're going to need for people. You're going to have a cool title. You're going to have an intriguing-looking villain, and I think that that's what you're going to need. Is it going to make two billion dollars like Force Awakens did? No, but can it absolutely succeed on its own terms for sure? Because I think that Star Wars can do that, right? Like, where like you're not going to need to do a bunch of homework. Star Wars has always been very good about that, where like you can enjoy that thing on its own terms without needing to know every single thing about it, and you know, these characters coming in can just be that character in that thing and you don't need to know their whole history. So I think that Filoni is very good at doing that. And like, we've seen that with Rebels, like bringing in Clone Wars characters where if you didn't see all of Clone Wars, you would still understand it just fine. We've seen that with Mandalorian where you're bringing in Clone Wars and Rebels characters and those episodes work fine on their own terms without having to have all that history. So Filoni knows how to do that. And and he's getting a movie and he's going to know how to do that for the movie. No question.
2: I 100% sign off on everything you just said. Uh, I I think Filoni has done a great job at, you know, it's one of those things where when those characters appear, it's rewarding for fans that do know the backstory and do know the history, but it isn't alienating to fans who don't.
3: Exactly. Filoni does that thing that everyone says they want to do, but he does it better than anyone else. Like he he does it like we're in the way. It's like he can do both things at once. And that's really hard to do. And so I think that Star Wars is going to be able to do that. Like, I would bet you anything that New Jedi Order movie. Like, that'll probably work really well even if you didn't see the sequel trilogy. It'll just be like, okay, we're training New Jedi. And, like, so, like, that you can do that with Star Wars. I think Star Wars lends itself to that.
2: I'm going to be willing to bet that you could cut – you could watch Return of the Jedi and then turn on that New Jedi Order movie and it would make perfect sense as if it, like, I'll bet you you anything
3: because they'll make references and they'll explain those references a little bit and that's all you need. Yeah. Like, I don't know why Star Wars. Just, Star Wars is almost set up for that sort of thing. It just works that way.
2: The, the only thing that worries me, Ryan, is that jump from book above that uh, Mandalorian season three. And they didn't explain anything to people that potentially didn't see that show. <laughs> That's I, I
3: view that as a one time mistake. And I actually saw an interesting theory <laughs> floating around out there as to why that might have happened. That, like, I'm betting someone at Disney was like nervous about Grogu not being on the show anymore Like after that Mando season two finale. And I feel like someone higher up was like, look, we need Grogu back in the show. And that made (laughs) sense to me. Like, I I feel like if I were to bet, I'd say John and Dave probably didn't want to bring him back that early. But
2: that's well. the other thing I had heard, and I think they might have said this in interviews, I am not clear, is that Book of Boba Fett was originally going to be Mandalorian season three. Um, maybe it was going to be like more like switching back and forth between Boba Fett story and Mando's story but like originally it was something that was originally born to be part of Mandalorian and then it, it got spun off into its own thing so so maybe I don't know it, it's just so weird how they handled it. That's, that's, yeah
3: like, but again I, I think that that was a kind of and then I also think because we've seen that like Mando season 3 they're having to fold some storylines from what would have been Rangers of the new Republic into this season. So I feel like this was kind of a one-time messy situation and, and I don't think Favreau or Filoni are prone to being that messy. So I feel like they're going to kind of get the house in order.
2: I I hope you're right. I think you're right. I hope you're right. Okay. Anyways, we can find more of all the stories that we mentioned on today's podcast on slash and linked in the show notes. You can find this podcast slash daily published every weekday on Apple Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, speculation to peter com. And please rate and read this podcast and Apple Podcast. Tell your friends, spread the word. And we'll see you tomorrow